You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. It's another episode of Life Repurposed, and this week I'm welcoming a guest to the show. I have with me Jane Rubietta. She is a prolific author of 21 books and hundreds of articles. Jane speaks virtually and internationally. She's hilarious and filled with hope, and you'll think she's been reading your journal because she gets you. And then she just loves and blesses you. I'm happy that she was able to take a few minutes out to sit down and have a Zoom chat with me recently and just talk about her latest book and what's going on in her life and how she inspires people to find light in dark places. So join me in welcoming my guest, Jane Rubietta. Welcome, friends. I am happy to have Jane Rubietta with me today, and I want to start off with a question for her, asking her, if you were a kind of ice cream, what would you be? Oh, wow. It would have to be, you know, peanut butter chocolate, something like that, but only because that's what I like, and I love the sweet salty. Ooh, I like that combo too. Jane and I share a birthday. We are also both gluten-free. And so if we were together in her hometown right now, we would probably be enjoying a gluten-free pizza and something dark and chocolate. A donut. <laughs> and a donut. Yes. Yeah, so I first met Jane Rubietta 20 years ago. When Jane came to the wonderful town of Pittsville, Wisconsin to speak for a women's event. And that was the first time that I heard about a writer's conference called Write to Publish that you were part of. And so it's been 20 years since we met. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I had no idea. I just knew it had been, it felt like ever since I've been part of Write to Publish, you've been part of it too. So Yeah, it was the year 2000. And that always makes me want to do the, what was the late night show that um, in the year 2000, they always were looking ahead and now it's 20 years ago. <laughs> it's like, whoa, it's crazy. So when did you first know you wanted to write? I started, I loved writing even when I was a kid, um, but it wasn't like, I think I'd like to write it for as a profession. But I remember in fourth grade writing some, it was really truly a ridiculous thing as a 10 year old, but it was my, my first, and I, my teacher had really nice feedback for me in fourth grade. Uh, And then I just sort of tucked that away. You do what you got to do. You write what you got to write and got to college. And I had professors who uh, had been executives for major corporations and so forth telling me I could write and but that still wasn't good enough. I started, I, it wasn't until probably 90, it was 92 when I first tried to get published. Okay. Did you have yeah. another career before that? Did you pursue something uh, else in college? Yeah. Well, marketing and management okay. in college. And then, uh, and then I actually ended up overseas at a school in Germany, South Germany. And then ended up in uh, working on my master's degree at, at, a, at a seminary. Okay. Did you know that State. I was a registered nurse before? 
I did not know That's that. That's what I went to school for. So I did the thing. Like, I love to write in school, too. And then I went to college for the logical thing. You know, they needed nurses. I was good at science, too. Got all the way through that and then decided in 1992 or 93 to stay home with my first baby. And then started exploring speaking. And it was in the year 2000 when I thought, well, maybe I would like to write professionally. And then I met you. And the Write to Publish conference was the first introduction to the idea of writing and speaking as something other than journaling. And so, yeah. It, it is, it's fascinating how many people at any given point in their journey forward will, will just ditch whatever that dream is. Mm -hmm because it doesn't make sense or other people say it should, you really need to fit in this kind of a box. And I, I also was, I stayed home. I raised my kids. I started trying to write in little pockets um, when, well, probably bef well before our third child was born, but you know, all the Christians I knew were like, Oh, <laughs> You don't work outside the home, <laughs> you know. And I was a pastor's wife, yeah. so those were those were high holy callings, and they are. Yes. They still are high holy callings. Um, but uh, I was, I, part of me was dying because mm. I was not listening to my primary gifting. Yeah. So it's not just this dream. It's not just a hobby. And I really wasn't planning to talk too much about writing in this episode, and yet it is so much part of it. If you put a book out there, the process of writing that book is not just a hobby. It's a passion. It's a calling. It's taking your life experiences and putting them in a story form that will bless somebody else and change their life. And so Jane has a new book called Brilliance, Finding Light in Dark Places. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But um, just thinking about that the idea of the need for light in our world. I want to talk about that a little bit right now because when you started writing this book, were we in the middle of a pandemic or not yet? When I started thinking I should put this book together, we were not. <laughs> um, but by but it was it really was this the whole the, just the casualties of this season that made me realize I, this is the right time for mm -hmm. this. And, and it was, yeah, it was. Um, and so it's been several years in the works, mm -hmm. but it took, it, it really took until, you know, battling through the darkness personally as, um, but yeah, battling through the darkness personally as a, a speaker, a writer, who's uh, all, all of my stuff has fallen apart, you know, um, that getting to, it was exhausting. I found myself exhausted all the time. So long, yes, long process. And then I finally just pedal to the metal. This is the time you need to just put your rear in the chair and do this. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's always been a need for light in our world, but it seems like now more than ever, people are hungering for some hope. And that's really the point of this show, Life Repurposed, where I talk about how God can turn our difficulties into opportunities to find beauty in the brokenness. I wondered if you can think of some misconceptions that people have about struggles. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do this all the time to myself. 
I'm so much nicer to other people about this. <laughs> um, but the sense that nobody else struggles like you do. Mm-hmm. Like, I got an email this week and it, or last week and it had, you know, these are all the things I've done during this pandemic because I'm cold and I'm like, I just wanted to go lay down. You know, I just wanted to just go binge eat or something because I was so depressed mm-hmm. to think that that was not me. Mm-hmm. I, so I felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. People, I, I think when we have struggles, we compare ourselves to other people. That's a real problem mm-hmm. because you cannot, your, your pain is your own. Your struggle is your own. And it's all a huge composite of where you've been, what you've experienced and, what your dynamics are right now to say nothing of your emotional, Mm -hmm. spiritual soul state. So you can't compare, but, but I find that people feel like failures or they feel like they've just got to pretend Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm, I am really healthy and I'm, I'm just fine. And, um, most of the time when I speak and people say that, I just say, and you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, um, for me, this idea of, of being perfect and not just, not just like presenting a perfect side to the world, but also within myself, this struggle of, I can't publish this book until it's perfect. I can't, reach out to this person until my life is perfectly in order. And just the idea that we have to have it all together before we have a message. Yes. And whether you're a writer, a speaker, or just, you know, or a lay person, that whole idea that in order to have validity, in order to have your, your words count or your opinion matter, that you actually have to have some sort of wealth of, perfection or knowledge or anything behind you is, is just, um, it's a lie. It's just a lie. So trade secret here. We don't have it all together. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And most people would be relieved to hear it. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's the come alongside. Speaking of coming alongside, this has been a season for me of feeling alone and not because of quarantine or anything like that because I'm an introvert and actually enjoy the alone time but I have felt alone because sometimes I can't express my true thoughts or my true feelings or sometimes I have a difference of you know you see all these articles people share about what's going on with the pandemic and everything and so I have felt alone in just shielding myself from the emotions of putting myself out there in conversations. And so I I think there are different ways of feeling alone. It's not just being alone, like by myself at home, but I can feel alone in a crowd of people. And so thinking of feeling alone, I wondered when in life have you felt most alone? Wow. I don't know if I could say most, the most alone um, but I do know that as a as a mom with very young children and my husband working pastoring two churches at the same time out in the middle of nowhere, um, that I felt incredibly alone. Partly because I had these preconceived ideas, misconceptions about what it would look like, what I should look like as a godly, good, <laughs> supportive uh, wife and mother. Um, but the, the sense of there is no place to go was huge mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I have experienced that at other times as well. I am often the odd, the odd woman out in a, in, in certain groups of people. And so I feel alone in that I'm not able to just say, this is how I think mm-hmm. or feel. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I so, it's something that has made me more aware of wanting to reach out to people who feel alone, but aren't expressing it. So looking for the person in a crowd who no one's talking to, or looking for the person even online who might be expressing that they're alone, but don't know how to put it into words, like just really sensing the feelings of people. And so we can do that even when we're not in person. And I have found that even in reading your book now that I feel like you're with me. (laughs) I know it's even in your bio that, you know, people tell you that it feels like you get inside their heads. It does. I was, (laughs) I was resonating with the chapter you have called hashtag fail, or that was maybe not the title, but it was hashtag fail. I think it is. (laughs) Just thinking about like, you know, failure. And I just wondered like, what, what have you learned from failure versus your successes? That, that I think failure and success are a continuum for one thing. And what we consider failure, what I consider failure on my part, other people look at and go, are you kidding me? Um, and so, uh, so, so on the one hand, it's failure is a very judgmental term. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me. And my husband is great for saying things like, well, well, I, I learned something here. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm like counting up the cost of all these. <laughs> and, and it's just like, well, I won't do that again. And uh, this wasn't fatal. I'm like, yeah, it feels fatal for a minute. Um, <laughs> but but it, it does help to, um, one of the things about failure is really to allow yourself to be on a continuum mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That the the thousand times working on the light bulb was actually just 999 times that you, you got smarter. Mm-hmm. So, so trying to, trying to talk about repurpose, trying to repurpose the experiences you've been in, uh, in order to, you know, first of all, not repeat them, but that becomes our bridge, I think, in terms of relatability to other people to say nothing of doing it better the next time. So I like to talk about solutions. So let's transition into talking about solutions for some of the problems we've talked about here. It's easy to moan and groan in hard times. I've done plenty of that. So what practical tools do you use? I first I say go ahead and moan and groan. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Get it on the outside. You're not helping yourself by being dishonest about what's going on inside. So I'm a huge journaler. I have I, I write. Uh, I think my journals are they're about a hundred pages long. It takes me about a month, two months to get through one. So get it on the outside. Then that way you're not. Talk, toxic to yourself, but also 
that helps you know what you need to say to somebody else. That's good. I wish I journaled more. So what I have, I'm looking at my shelf here. I have a basket full of journals that have like six pages used because I love journals. I like buying them and then I write in them for a few days and then I stop again and then I write in them again. So I've tried a couple of different techniques, but I know you've shown even when you speak at conferences how full a journal might be. So how how do we get regular about that? Or is it just something you love or you don't love? I think there is a love or don't love the component to all of that. Some people just don't like ha- writing by hand. Hmm. They have terrible handwriting or they can't think. I'm one of those external process. I do not know what I'm thinking unless I write it down. I've got to see what I say. Um, so, so not everybody is like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the but maybe they t- could type. Maybe you could just mm-hmm. maybe you're faster at typing or dictate it into your phone. I've I've thrown in a lot of notes into my phone. Um, I should I should add that I have I told my husband just burn all my journals. Don't try and publish anything. Don't wade through them. Do not absolutely do not shake them to see if there's money in there. I promise you there won't be. Um, um, but, you know, but, you know, so I should add that, just throw my phone away because it probably has notes in there that nobody needs to see. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff in my computer that I is total nonsense also, and I don't think I want anyone to ever see it. <laughs> Here's my password, but please don't use it yeah, when I die. throw it all away. So do you have a cure for grumpiness? Because, for example, today... And this morning started off stressful and I was extremely grumpy because I have three deadlines looming this week and my husband decided that this was the right week to replace the vanity and the flooring in the bathroom right across the hall from my office. And so we had words and it wasn't just me moaning and groaning. So I'm wondering when we think about those types of things in our life, where do we look for light in the dark places when we've even failed with our words and said things that we shouldn't say? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I think repentance is a really good thing. Is <laughs> <laughs> just being like, did I just say that? I'm really really embarrassed about the state of my soul right now. I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? Because dragging that around with you all day, that'll make mm-hmm. you grumpy. Yeah, that might have um, been more helpful. I sent him off to the home improvement store for now. And then when I'm done recording, we'll have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I find, yeah, I do, yeah. The, uh, another cure for grumpiness is, is for me, if, if I can come to some kind of perspective, because along with grumpiness comes that hashtag fail thing. Yes. Like what, what, kind, of a, what kind of a loser am I that I would act like that to somebody I love or somebody I don't even know, right? Yeah. Or somebody um, that I just published a book on marriage with. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Hashtag fail. Uh, we have our moments too. We are real human beings. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. Um, but but to just just decide when you're going to come back together to work with you something has been really helpful to me, and I know you do that too. Um, but sometimes there's just nothing you can do, and it's not because and you're grumpy, not because of somebody you live with or somebody you love, but just because of life is life stinks or mm-hmm. uh, things happen that you can't control. And so uh, one of, one of the things that I do like to do is to just do thank walks. I just mm. go out and I say thanks. I just walk and I say, wow, 
Thanks for that tree. That look at the bark on that tree. Thank you. That is an amazing thing. Um, and I do find that if I can, I actually, you know, the mask is a good thing because people don't realize <laughs> You're that I'm actually to <laughs> That's I why I need to I'm, wear it in the car. <laughs> cars don't count. You're probably, you could be on speakerphone. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that's helped me um, it, with my grumpiness and just, Sometimes it's just, oh, one of my friends said, okay, so you're feeling anxious, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She said, well, why don't you just sit with it for a minute? Mm. But what will I do with that? She said, just pay attention to how it makes you feel, like your blood pressure. Or are you sweating? Or what's happening with your heart rate? Or, you know, and so... To, uh, to just pay attention to that, mm -hmm. one of the things that does is that honors that inner person of you that you're uh, trying to squelch or shame. Mm -hmm. So That's I find good. that has been a helpful tool for me. Yes, absolutely. I like the walk idea too. What do you think our world needs to hear most right now? I really, I, I believe from this, just from the standpoint of science, light wins over darkness. Mm. It, light always wins over darkness. And so if, I, I, I do think that we're in a dark place, a dark season in our world, uh, not just in our country, but in our world. And the certainty that, that we as, as human beings can make choices that contribute to light in the world. Will it change the world? It'll change somebody's moment. Um, and if you do that long enough, then I think there becomes an aura, kind of a glow. I do think that I see that in people. Mm -hmm. Like you recognize it in other people because they're choosing not to live in the dark. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that would be one thing. Light will win. Um, don't let darkness win inside you and then decide how you want to how you can bring light to a conversation. Ooh, that's good. So right in the midst of the moment, thinking of a way to sometimes even turn it around because the conversation might be going in a dark direction. So hmm, that has me thinking about like some of the angry tones that come out in some conversations. So what would be a way of diverting and bringing light to a conversation where people are escalating maybe on opinions about something going on in the world? Um, yeah, I, well, I wonder, that's a, that's a really good question. If, if, if we could say something like we should come up with, you know, what would really be helpful to just have a few phrases that mm -hmm. would start to turn things uh, like I really I, I really do appreciate your your passion here. Mm -hmm. So uh, you are a person, you're really a great uh, a, a very passionate person. I I really appreciate that. I feel the same way. Um, and I I am not a big person to say let's agree to disagree because frankly <laughs> I think people are wrong. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna agree disagree with you. <laughs> I'm just not gonna be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've been challenged and stretched in conversations to like figure out how to bring love in because I love the people I'm with, but sometimes I don't love 
where the direction of a conversation goes. And so I have to look for something. So I'll be thinking about like what, how to bring light into conversations. Sometimes I just close up and that's not always the best. You know, if I shut down, I, I don't even speak kindness. So that, that's eye opening to think about that. But that's a good point. When we shut down, not only, uh, we may be de-escalating something, but we are not bringing kindness in mm-hmm. to the conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the risk is sounding self-righteous, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, I <laughs> you know. So figuring that out, that we, we can do this. For, this could be our take home. It can be. Because when you back. think about it, the people around us are not looking for those pat answers. So if I say something like, we just all need to love each other, that like annoys me in the middle of a situation because it does sound self-righteous. It sounds judgmental, like, well, you're not being very loving. Um, and loving and agreeing are not necessarily the same thing. So it, it is a good homework assignment. So I'll put that out there to the listeners, too, to be thinking of what are some ways that we can bring light into dark places that encourages people and that um, helps us to value each other as human beings. Uh, that's a, that's, I think that's a really good t- task for us to just, because then we go into places prepared and rather than imagining, yeah, I'm just going to kind of disappear here. I know that I'll just disappear into this conversation um, to decide that we can speak kindness into places. So mm-hmm. um, I think honoring people's feelings about things is really important because once people feel like they've been heard, mm-hmm. It, it takes away one of their weapons. So let's talk about other resources. The one that I wanted to talk about today is your book, Brilliance, Finding Light in Dark Places. And for our listeners, you'll find a link to this book and a link to Jane's website in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 56. This is episode number 56. So Jane, how can people use this book? You can use it as a, as a, uh, you can use it as a daily read. I talked to somebody recently and she's, she's got it on her desk and every day when she goes to work, that's the first thing she does. She reads one of the day, the, that day's entry, uh, somebody, you know, put it in your bathroom and just lock the door. Um, but one of the things that, that I, I think is helpful about it is that it, it, um, because it's a daily thing, it, there are application questions. So, mm-hmm to just have places where, you know, set aside, set aside someplace. And this is one of the things that helps my grumpiness too. And the, the sense that I'm a hashtag fail all the time is to have a place that's just for me. Mm. Even if it's 30 minutes, 20 minutes where, where you can honor your own needs and just, yeah, use that book. There's questions in the, in the back of it. We're also, it's also designed to use in a group. So, um, so then you're not alone in the darkness. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to run a couple of Zoom study book studies starting next week. So, where can people find out more about that if they want to be part of one of your book studies? Oh yeah, they could email me Jane at janerubietta.com or find me on social media. Okay, that would be good because I have a feeling there would be people out there that would appreciate 
having something to do on Zoom besides business meetings. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And there's that dissonance too, that cognitive sort of uh, disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you and I, I, know, I, I love you, but I'm not really with you, but I'm with you. Yeah. It, it's so your brain is like not buying it. Yeah. Your soul is saying no. <laughs> Yeah, Are you just saying now your soul is saying, uh-uh. <laughs> but, Exhausting. you know, you'll still, if you think about it, it does open opportunities too. So for Zoom to do a book like Brilliance, you can gather with people from all over the place who are not even in your local community. And I like that idea. Yeah, I'm hoping to run one with a group in the Philippines. Oh, that would be great. I know. But I did a Zoom um, a Zoom. Bible study with them uh, and the, they, they always meet at, at 2 PM. Uh, so that was 3 AM. I was going to say, what time is that here? <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't go to bed. Okay. I got <laughs> so international virtual speaker too. I yeah. was reading an entry today and I wanted to just read a paragraph to give listeners an idea of your writing voice because I appreciate that. And if you've ever heard Jane speak, she has a literary yet comforting style, I guess is how I would describe it. You use beautiful words that speak to the literary side of me, but then you also are really practical and... um just really vulnerable. And so I appreciate that because that speaks to me too. So this one is talking about training for the high seas. And if nothing, we're on the high seas right now. So many struggle with serious seasickness on board this ship called life, health issues, unemployment or underemployment, massive debt load, broken relationships, lost loved ones, painful family situations. Disappointment darkens so many horizons. Disillusionment creates white caps of the soul. It's so hard to hold on as the waves chop and turn. Far too many of us live a tad too close to emotional or spiritual shipwreck, and the decks are slick and we forget our deck shoes. And then Jane goes on to talk about how this life is just a passageway. And those are the kinds of messages that are in this book, Brilliance, to really speak to us. We might feel like we're on the high seas. And uh, just knowing that we're we're in a boat and it's all over the place and yet there's hope. And of course, that wasn't the end of the story. And then Jane asks um, some questions, like she said at the end. And uh, this one talks about training for the high seas. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the themes that are covered in Brilliance? I, I did want to to highlight the light and the darkness. And I, I also, I you know, you and I've talked in the past about just being super honest about who we really are and, you know, all the places we mess up. And um, and so I, I there, uh, you know, every every entry has some sort of reality check, like here's this just total mess up moment, or here's this illustration that's from somewhere else, but you can relate to it. So um, what I wanted to do is to take the issues that we struggle with, whether it's faith-based or not, um, the, the stuff we struggle with and just uh, look at it with a lens of hope. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's the message that I need every day. You can give me a message of hope yesterday and I need a new one today because there's always something that's going to come in and try to steal that away from me. And so that's why the daily time of, you know, I love how you include a Bible verse along with it so that I'm grounded, but then also your story and some practical takeaways. And so I really like that part of it. So what surprised you while writing the book? I think one of the surprises to me was <laughs> I really wanted um, buy-in with a title. And so I, I, put the, I put my ideas out there for just a few select people that I really trust. And I got zero. I got zero consensus on anything. <laughs> and, um, and what I began to realize, so one of the surprises was how important it is for me to feel like a project is, um, uh, you know, universally loved. <laughs> it wasn't that it wasn't it, that they didn't like it. It's just that they would pick something else to highlight about the book. Um, and so the other thing that surprised me was how un it shouldn't surprise me at all, how unorganized my mind is. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, uh, just trying to navigate the layout because every, every chapter is short, you know, I mean, what are they 800 words or something? And then you add in the application, uh, but to navigate the layout, I, I, it just took a long time for me to do that. And I, I think it is, I mean, I, I struggle to file things. If you ask me what something's about, I'm going, ah, well, it's about this this person who. You know. Oh, I so, love hearing that. makes makes me feel more at home with the way my thoughts go. Oh yeah, maybe we can blame it on celiac disease. I'm not or the creative process, but um, I think it's multitasking for me. Yeah, so many things going on at the same time, and 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 always there is. You and I are both self employed, and there is always the the reality paying the bills. Yeah. And so you want to just go full tilt, be literary and write really, really lovely things. But the other part of you is like, I don't have time. Yeah. So when we're independently wealthy, let's go on a boat somewhere and just write or go just to the beach or to a cabin beach. in the mountains. Cabin. And just write. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Yeah, the seashore, those would be my two spots, really. I would choose either one of those. Not a, not a, probably not a boat. Yeah, Lake Superior is my place. I love Lake Superior. So is there anything else that you'd like my listeners to know? Yeah, I would like for us all to remember we are not alone. You are not alone in the the places you failed. You are not alone in the dark spaces, you are not alone uh, in the questions that are natural for everybody to have. We're just, we are not alone. That's one of the big lies. You're alone and uh, things will not get better. So to, to refuse to believe that. And also, as they say in the 12 step groups, um, just make a reach out call that hmm. we all need. We all need people in our lives, even if we don't need parties mm -hmm. in our lives. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, to find a couple of people that you can just not be alone with and be real with, mm -hmm. um, 
some a few people who can know good parts, significant parts of your journey, um, so that you are not alone in those places. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell everybody in the universe what's going on for you. <laughs> um, but to refuse to buy that lie, you're not alone, and the darkness will not win. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And I've loved letting our thoughts just go in random places during our chat. Thanks for being with my listeners. And for those who are listening, you will find a link to Jane's book and her website at michellebrayburn.com slash 56. The show notes are there and any links we've talked about in here are there. So that's just an easy way to find them. I encourage you to find Jane on social media and I'll put those links there too, because I know you're going to want to connect with her and find out about more books that are coming out. Because like I said in my intro, she has 21 and counting and there's always a book in the works I know there is what's the next one in the works Jane well I have a novel that's finished but um, my agent wants to have another character woven in and I'm like I don't know if I can do that <laughs> but I also have I'm writing a, a nonfiction. Pro- I'm working on a nonfiction project through the book of uh, no I'm not even going to tell you okay nice mystery she does have another novel her first novel that's available so you'll find that too so Jane is multi-talented and thank you for being with us today thank you Michelle you, it's fabulous to be together I really appreciate your voice and your the hope you give hopefully in person next summer at Write to Publish yes you've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. 